Hi there, Let's Talk Sports fans. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Let's Talk Baseball. And I'm joined by my baseball expert, ex-professional player and alpha performance softball founder, Jonathan Griezmann. Thanks for joining me today. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me on another show. I've been looking forward to it with you. Uh, same here. And I don't know what we're going to talk about, Jonathan, because it's been... <laughs> A very quiet day, but we'll muddle through. Hasn't it been? It's been yeah. It's been kind of crazy. It was just how how this has played out so far, right? <laughs> yeah, oh no. Um, we'll get to that because um, some of my predictions of a certain player not moving fell flat earlier this morning. But I've been wrong before, and I'll be wrong again, as I said earlier today. Oh yeah, it, it, like I said, it, it's been it's been probably one of the craziest type of trade deadlines we've ever seen. But I, I it's uh, I yeah, I can't wait to be able to kind of go over a little bit more with you about it. It's like I said, it's just it's uh, all over the place right now with been, uh, what's been going on. Yep, Andre. Um, so before we get to that, I always start with the Braves as we do. This division is, as we said last week, pretty tight. I expect it to continue. A certain pitches returned for the Mets as well, which, if stayed healthy, could <clears> add a bit of fuel to the fire. Have you found the Braves last week, Jonathan? The Braves, you say a little bit like they've uh, they they've been able to do what their part is. They're supposed to win. They, the unfortunate side of what they, uh, they they didn't get the little help that they were hoping for. Though the Mets uh, being on a seven game winning streak right now, so they've been kind of matched up a little bit. Uh, win for win, which throughout the month of June and into uh, into July, it was the it, it wasn't that way. The Braves were able to gain the ground and be able to get close to a half a game on the Mets uh, for first place, and then kind of sputtered a little bit here and there between the All Star break uh, and towards the back end of July, and they're back to about three and a half out. But you're still within range. And the best part for bo- at least for both teams right now is you have a five game series because of the opening series being postponed. Uh, do the lockout. You have a five-game series now this uh, this week after a two-game series with the Phillies. So this is an important week for the Braves to where not can only you can you can gain ground, but you can also uh, pass the Mets and even push a little bit more distance uh, by the Phillies as well. So this is a a I don't really want to say a, a make or break type of week uh, since we're just still in the beginning of August. But if you want to make a move and be a a division contender, division you know, and, and kind of keep your reign as a uh, as the NL East uh, champs, uh, this is the week that you really need to gain that ground. You have five games. If you can take uh, three of five, uh, three of the five games, if you can if you can win the series against the Mets, uh, take three of five. I mean, four or five would be even uh, spectacular. But if you take three of five, you you've kind of been able to gain that little bit of ground and, and show that you know the the, the series that y'all played. You know, uh, in July, it, you know, where the, the Mets took two of three, that kind of you were able to knock them down a little bit and say, "Hey, this is still our division," and you're able to you got to come back and you got to come and get us, uh, not the other way around. So that's where the, the Braves have to be able to continue the hot a streak that they're doing. At the same time, when they face a Mets team that's pretty hot themselves right now. Yep, Andre. Um, it's gonna be must watch TV when they uh, go head to head and. Every game will count. Every game does anyway in a divisional race, but even more so, it's almost like double jeopardy, if you will. 
Absolutely. And again, this is just where you have the, these two teams that, you know, they're heavyweights in the, and not just the NL East, but, you know, they're heavyweights in the, in the national league. I mean, you have two of the best teams right now uh, in the, in the two of the uh, three best teams in the same division with the Mets and Braves. So this is becoming what we've seen, you know, years ago in the nineties and the early two thousands, where it was Braves and Mets competing for division, you know, for the division title, uh, consistently year in year out, we're kind of getting that that feeling back to it, and it, it, we you know it goes beyond that where the ownership side of it, where the Mets have the you know the, the highest paid owner or the you know or the, or the most money owner right now in in Cohen, and you have a, an ownership group in Atlanta that's been making a lot of money and is able and is and is not hesitant to spending some of that money as well. So it, it really trickles down for both groups of where you are at. Uh, for the Braves and the Mets, what they've been able to accomplish off the field as well as on the field, and be able to get some success from it, and that's and it's just making it a lot uh, that that a lot interesting that you can uh, dynamic of how the race is supposed to be in the uh, in the division, and it's making it very exciting. And as you said, a lot of games between the uh, between the Braves and Mets are still left to be played, not just uh, in the month of uh, of August where you you have eight games against each other. Uh, this month, but you have another couple more games, a few more, a couple more series later on in September as well. It's going to be a back and forth dog fight between those teams. They're they're pretty evenly matched in certain aspects of how they are, uh, how their lineup structured, the pitching matchups they've got to be able to do. It. And this is where if you're the young pitchers of Max Fried and Kyle Wright, uh, you know Spencer Strider, and you have the opportunity where you can be matched up against a Max Scherzer and Jacob Degrom at some point this week you have a chance to supplant yourself to be the next big young pitcher in baseball if you'd be able to go match uh, match the match for against those two uh those two you know aces that the Mets have Gabriel can be interesting I said earlier about the Yankees and Astros and I think the same counts on paper with healthy the Mets and the Braves as you say compared quite favorably so that's just whatever picture you're starting picture who's better on the day so that's what's going to be key and this brings us on to the trade deadline are you happy with what the braves did they were to be honest with you a bit more aggressive than i thought they were going to be because i know they were last year but that was different with the ronald acuna injury but I think it come down to there's a lot of good teams this year. There's almost more contenders than is normal, is my take on it. And I think that's made teams be more aggressive in inquiring depth. Would you agree? To an extent, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not. Uh, I'm not disappointed with the Braves. Did I mean they, they? They have pieces on the team that are that are there and be able to be competitive right now. And and. They made moves. If you don't, if you take away Michael Harris and what he's been able to do this season as a rookie, being called up uh, in the earlier part of the season, he has supplanted a, a huge hole in what the outfield. You know, before he got called up, Adam Duvall was a center fielder, and that was also before uh, Ron Acuna came back from health uh, from his from his knee injury last year. So the the, the off the the outfield itself. Was not necessarily a great shape even before you know. Can you came back even when after Can you came back? You know, still Duvall was not a 
good outfield. I mean, he's, he's a decent outfielder as far as where he plays on the corners. But as a center fielder, he, he's not a center fielder. But he had, I mean, he was versatile enough to do it until uh, Ronald Jr. came back uh, and be able to help out a little bit more in the outfield. But Harris has been able to be what that outfield is needed, and he's been probably one of the better outfielders Atlanta's had. I know Enciarte's uh, Ender Enciarte's won a couple of Gold Gloves uh, out there as well, but. I mean, he's he's remind uh, Michael Harris is reminding guys of of Andrew Jones in the '90s and early 2000s. That's how good he's been. So you add pieces to the to the team that is able to at least complement. And so you're not necessarily in the same position as you were last year, where you needed four outfielders and you brought in four. Eddie Rosario is still trying to figure out his eyesight a little bit more, and he's, he's starting to show a little bit better patience, a little bit more a uh, better view of the ball in the box. Uh, he's a you know a decent outfielder defensively. Uh, you know, you're, you're trying to find a way to keep Marcelo Zuna out of the outfield. And that was where, you know, platooning a guy like Robbie Grossman coming in and, and be able to face against lefties to where, you know, you can platoon where Rosario's facing righties. You kind of prevent Ozuna being an outfielder with those two right there. And again, Duvall's injury kind of made forced a hand to be able to have a guy like that come in, uh, you know, and make a trade for Grossman. So I think it was a low, a low cost trade. It was a low cost trade. You know, had a trade of just one minor leaguer. Uh, you know, I think uh, Chris Anglin was in double A at the time, and he's been, you know, a decent minor leaguer as well. So it didn't really cost you much uh, in terms of prospects to trade for him, and he's been a a really good uh, bat against lefties. So that kind of does help a need out there. And then uh, you know, Odorizzi, Jake Odorizzi is a a good back end piece that kind of gives you a little bit of insurance in case Ian Anderson still struggles a little bit. He, Ian Anderson had a good start, uh, his last start before the deadline, but. You know, you got to make sure you have some insurance where you have another guy that can come in and, and eat some innings, pitch you five, six, seven innings, give you a chance to win a ball game. And Oda Rizzi has been able to do that in his entire career. So it's low cost trades like that 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 really values uh, the the club and what Alex Anthopoulos has done. He did it last year. You, know, you bring in a Jorge Soler, who at the time when he made the trade, he was batting one, I believe, one ninety two. Uh, so someone who wasn't, you know, tearing the world on fire, and he was able to do a great job for them. Jock Peterson was a low cost trade as well. Rosario was hurt at the time when he got uh, came on board, and so you, you have a, that that eyesight of what the scouts in the front office have been able to do for Atlanta, and be able to bring in those guys like a Grossman, like an Odorizzi, uh, and, and be able to extend this opportunity to compete for a championship uh, in Atlanta. Yeah, well, I agree. It's going to be fascinating how this division plays out and some of these other divisions. One team we talked about a bit recently is Seattle and we spoke about this is their year and they've been more aggressive than they typically are. But do you think this is just a case of they know it is their year so um, they've got to take advantage of the run they're on? Yeah, I, I, I believe that it is. And I, like I said, I, last time we spoke last week, I, I made the prediction that they were going to, they possibly couldn't make a trade if they believed that they were ahead of schedule. And because they have such a young, exciting ball club and you're on the cusp of, make, uh, of breaking your playoff drought, why not go make a move? And again, I didn't think they were going to go and do a Luis Castilla trade uh, and, and really and bolster that starting rotation. But if you're right now, you're in the third wildcard spot and you're, uh, you're, just percentage points behind the Rays right now, and you're three games behind the Blue Jays. You know you're in that you're in that uh, opportunity uh, to to be the top wild card spot. Why not go do it right now? Because at some point, what's going to happen? And I kind of and I'll throw an early prediction. 
I think the Astros at some point, as long as they continue, if they, unless they keep throwing money out right now, the Astros could be caught, not this year, but next season in 2023 by a team like Seattle that's getting better and it's getting more and getting younger and more exciting on the ball field at a team. So that's why I said that I think they were a year early and then what they're able to do right now. And I think the front office look at it and said, we have to make sure we can let's let's take advantage now. If we can make the playoffs now, we can head we can have some momentum going into 2023 and we can possibly challenge the Ash, uh, the Astros for the division next season. So why not go make that opportunity happen with a trade like Luis Castilla and potentially re-sign him and extend him and you have a, you have a, a bona fide ace in your rotation for years to come. So this is something that I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see that the Mariners were able to make such moves that they were they were did and, and challenge for a playoff position today versus waiting for next year. Because usually what they've done in their history is if they feel they're a year away, they wait and hold off and they can you know sell off a piece or two here and there to make it to where they can get the depth that they think they're going to get. And that next year doesn't happen. So I feel like this is a change of the guard of what the the front office for Seattle. They, they said, hey, we're not waiting anymore. If we're going to make the playoffs, it's been 20 years. Let's go do it right now. And they're making that move right now to say, yeah, we're going to go ahead and make that change. Yeah, Audrey, I love for Castile pick up. And I also thought Terry did it a few days earlier than other teams sort of get in before other teams get the deals in i like that aggressiveness and to be honest smart thinking yeah it, it was in in an essence because you 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 eliminate the the your opponents of trying to make the trade for luis because there was some you know the dodgers were in on on luis castilla there were some rumors rumors that the yankees were in on luis castilla at some point uh you know at least they were making phone calls for him so you're trying to find a way to to get ahead, and if you if you can make the phone call and make the offer before those teams who have the money and have the uh, the prospects to make those moves, beat them to it. And, and they didn't waste time. They didn't want to wait and see uh, for the you know what was it going to cost. They found out what it, what the, the price was, and they said they pulled the trigger for it. So you you have to be in, in this in the arms race of the trade deadline when you know you have a guy uh, the organizations like the Dodgers and Yankees that have the money to be able to, you know, wait and hold and then say, okay, yeah, we'll go ahead and make this. We'll, we'll go offer this and go make this trade for uh, for a player like Castillo. You know, you, you can't sit on your hands and wait. And the Mariners did not do that. They they took advantage of an opportunity that they, when they made the phone call, they got the negotiation that they wanted and they agreed on for it. So, they, you know, why not be over aggressive to make that uh, move and say, hey, we're we're making a run at this year. Yeah, Paul, great. Um so two teams we spoke about who can be compared together all year is with Astros and the New York Yankees. And it seems like they've been compared together in how much each team improved their roster in this trade deadline because they kept both kept making moves. And it's interesting. The Yankees was getting praised and then the Astros was super aggressive improving their roster. What team do you think did a better job? I kind of like what the Astros have done a little bit more just because I think whereas the Yankees have improved a position or two, I think the Astros have got all round better, if that makes sense. It, it does. And again, you, you were able to make a trade for Will Smith from the, from the Braves uh, for Odorizzi. That was a, uh, a, a good bullpen piece that 
the Astros got to see a lot in October last year and what he's able to do. He could be a setup guy for him. He can step up and be a closer if you need your if you need a game closed out and your and your your closer has already been burned for a couple games. Uh, he can step up and be that opportunity. So that again, bullpen pieces are 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 so valuable in today's game, especially in the postseason. We saw that last year uh, by all the teams in the postseason, not just the Braves. And how valuable and how much relied upon those bullpen arms are. So getting an arm like Will Smith, who has that World Series experience, who is who brings the value of a lefty arm uh, that can close that close things down for you if you're necessary. That that's a valuable piece of the Astros are able to trade uh, for, and then also bring in Trademan Seating, who you know is an All Star, who's uh, a you know one of the you know household names in baseball over the last few years. You know, you know minus the uh, the the cancer scare he had. Uh, over the last couple of years, or a few years ago, uh, he's been able to come back and be a, a great ball player and, and, and getting the opportunity to coach play for a contending team like the Astros, something he hasn't had an opportunity to do in Baltimore. That's a huge uh, upside move that you have now. You can put him at first base or in the outfield and be able to give Alvarez opportunity to play as, or get on be as a DH. And if you need him at first base, if you uh, just kind of rotate guys in and out, you can put him out in the outfield. And he can still play really well, so that's a good bat in that lineup. That was kind of that, that had some holes in it. I will say the Astros had some holes at times, and guys are not hitting the ball as well. Bregman's not batting as what we've seen him in the past. Uh, so getting a, a consistent bat like Trey Mancini is going to be very crucial for them moving forward. I mean, not, nothing against the Yankees for what they've been able to do. They made some pretty good moves. Uh, you know, being able to bring in a Frankie Montas with that starting rotation kind of sputtering a little bit. Uh, Montas coming off of an injury, though, makes you wonder a little bit as far as his durability the rest of the season. So I agree with you that that the Astros made better moves for what their what their needs were and what they're trying to accomplish by catching the Yankees and having a chance to uh, as a run as a number one seed and potentially hosting an American League Championship Series with the Yankees, potentially with the Yankees in October. Uh, you know, again, you just got to value what your what your needs were. And the Astros did that, I think, a little bit better than what the Yankees were. Yep, I agree. Um, so before we wrap things up, there's one move we haven't talked about, and that's Ron Soto. This has been a topic of discussion since the stoppage for negotiations in the CBA, really, but it's kicked up a gear the last few weeks. And I'm going to be honest, I didn't think a deal would get done until off-season, just because I thought it would be too complicated. But from the Padres' point of view, I love this. It's aggressive. It also eliminates some of the competition, getting it done. And that young core certainly looks good. And they sort of... I like how they're building the team and they're the side, but maybe aren't that bigger market team. So... I like that they're being aggressive. We knock teams what aren't, say, the Dodgers and the Yankees and don't spend the money, but they're certainly going to have to with this move, let's be honest. And there's already reports of deals already being talked about, which is a no-brainer if you do this deal. Do you think... Um, what do you think of this deal? Obviously, they gave up a lot, but then again, for this level of talent, you've got to. Yeah, yeah, it definitely changes the the mindset of what uh, trades have become in, ma- in Major League Baseball. Uh, I don't think you would have ever seen, you know, 10. And I actually I heard this conversation 
uh, on MLB Network a, a couple of days a couple of days ago when when they were the trade talks were really ramping up. Uh, 10, 15, 20 years ago, you would never hear of guys like a, a, at the superstar level of a Juan Soto uh, being traded, and, and now you're seeing guy, more guys at that level that are being traded in conversations. You know, uh, of uh, are are having more. You know, you're having more conversations of superstars. Shohei Otani's in conversations to be traded. You know, throughout this year, before the Angels said they're going to hold on to him. Mike Trout has been thrown as far as name wise of, of potential trade opportunities over the last couple of years, uh, and, and the Angels held on to him as well. Uh, you, you're seeing that a little bit more that the conversations are happening more, and that makes things a little bit interesting as far as how the dynamic of baseball can work with these superstars and what the value of the contracts is skyrocketing as well. So it does put things in perspective a little bit more regarding the trade itself today that, you know, Soto going to uh, San Diego, it makes it very interesting. And I, 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 I'm curious to know, will they able to, if it comes, when it comes, his contract does come up, are they able to resign him? Uh, and then you, you have a Manny Machado who's already making 300 million, you know, he's in a, he's in a $300 million contract in his third year, I believe. So he's still got six or seven more years. I think maybe an option at some point in that uh, in that range. You have Fernando Tatis who signed a big contract recently. Are you able to make sure you can get that contract uh, offered to Soto that you have the money to do it? And that's going to make things very interesting. If you don't have uh, that that opportunity to re-sign him, that's a lot of what they gave up for for again. You have him for a couple years still, but you that's no long term. That, that's not you know and again it. it if you win a World Series within the next two years, it, it, it's worth it at that point. If you can't win the World Series over the next two years, well, you gave up a lot for for a guy who's only going to be here for two years that you can't resign. So it, it puts a lot of pressure not just on the coaching staff uh, of of the Padres, but that front office is now glued that if they have to win a World Series now, uh, they they have done everything they can to uh, to bring in superstar players, Manny Machado. They got Fernando Tatis. Uh, you know, you bring in Juan Soto, you Darvish, Eric Cosmer, who just got traded today as well. You put a lot of pressure now in that front office that they have to uh, bring a championship to San Diego. If they don't, it's a colossal failure for the entire organization. Uh, so it's a lot of pressure right now on that. But it, it, it's, you know, it's a good move and, and, and an all-in move that you made that you, you just hope it brings you that World Series title here this year or next year. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. The window's certainly um, started now. We'll see how big that stays open, depending on that extension. And that just about wraps up today's episode. I've learned to say, stick around on Let's Talk Sports because we've got uh, Let's Talk Alpha Performance Softball. Of course, a topic Jonathan knows a lot about being their founder. So. We really would appreciate the support for the program if you tune in and hear how Jonathan and Miguel's got on as this season wraps up. Absolutely. Looking forward to that conversation here uh, shortly with you. A lot of fun things happened this past weekend. Uh, can't wait to talk to you about it. I can't wait to hear it. So thank you to everyone for joining us. Me and Jonathan will be back next week. and. Until then, let's talk sport fans. Thanks for watching.